If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke, New Testament. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. Chapter 1 at verse 26. And if you turn there, please stand for the reading in body or in spirit for the reading of God's word this morning. Hear these words from Luke chapter 1 verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. To the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So one thing that uh, me and my friend, my, many of my friends and family knows is I really love my job. I really love what I do. I really love being able to walk beside students, both in middle school and high school, and, and show them the love of Christ and that Christ, and remind them that Christ loves them. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm the youth pastor, the youth director here. And so that is my role. I have my full-time role is I, my job is to show students Jesus. And I love it. I love that opportunity. I, I, I live into it. And I'm honored to be given that opportunity to do so. One of my favorite things about youth ministry, so one of my top five favorite things about youth ministry, I'm not going to give you five things, but just one of them, is uh, when we go on trips. So in years past, we've gone to New Mexico, Rehoboth. We have driven to like local retreats like Big Bear, Idlewild for Junimus, San Diego for senior trip. We've driven to Bozeman, Montana for serve. And uh, these journeys are long. They're, they're fun. They're great. And sometimes, actually most of the time, getting there is half the fun. I love it when I, when I have students sign up for a trip and I tell them, hey, we're going to leave at this time on this day. And for example, a couple years back, we went to Montana for serve, for a missions trip. And I told students, hey, we're going to be there at, be at church at, actually come church the day before, drop off your luggage, we can pack it up because we're leaving church at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. And students just, I remember one student in particular just looked at me and said, what did you say? <laughs> And I said, we're leaving at 3 a.m. because we got to get on the road. We got to drive to you to Salt Lake City and then stay there overnight so I can get some rest. And then we'll drive to Bozeman after. 
And sometimes these these in these car rides, uh, you get to know people really well. This road trip that you take, you get to know people so well. In fact, you see personalities come alive. You're stuck in a vehicle for anywhere between one, two to 12 hours. And so you get to know people very well. You get to know what annoys them very quick. You get to know if they're the people that sleep the whole time or if they stay awake. Sometimes there's, there was one student in particular who we were driving to New Mexico. And as soon as we got the church parking lot, the student was snoring. And they didn't wake up until we got to New Mexico. That's including restroom stops and food stops. They just slept the whole time. I was like, okay, good for you. Like, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> but you get to know people and you get to know people in a deeper way. And this Sunday, this Sunday is, is the start of Advent. And we're going to look at this road trip that leads to the birth of Christ. And my, Pastor Scott, and my hope is that as we take this road trip, that you get to know Jesus and his story in a deeper and more powerful way, and that you can discover more about yourself and more about the, the people who God placed in Scripture in a deeper way. So we look at, at, at Luke chapter 1. And we see right away in the sixth month, God sent angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. What's there? What's there in Nazareth? Well, we see right away there's a young girl. She's favored by God. A young girl named Mary, who was probably at the time maybe 14, 15 years old. A young girl who's favored by God, and yet she's from a place that's like undesirable. It's, Nazareth is not a place that's like people go to. For example, by a raise of hands, has anybody here have been to or heard of the, the town Pink, Oklahoma? Nobody? <laughs> it's a shocker. Uh, it's not a shocker because Pink, Oklahoma is this little itty bitty town in the panhandle of Oklahoma that has one stop sign. How do I know this? I was in choir in, in college and we did a tour through there and we stopped in this place. Pink, Oklahoma has a Baptist church and we sang at the Baptist church. And it's literally just this little no-name town that has one stop sign, not even a stop light, a stop sign. And it's like, nobody knows about it. And so Nazareth is almost the same thing. Nazareth is this little town in Galilee, which doesn't really have any identification. It's a no-name place. And the, the people that do know, it's like, what, what's Nazareth? Like, what good comes out of Nazareth? We see in John chapter 1 that, in fact, that they talk about Jesus the Nazarene, and yet someone responds, what good comes out of Nazareth? That's the kind of place in which we're starting off at. On the road trip of Advent, on the season, we're starting at a place that means, that has like, why there? Like, why, what's in Nazareth? Why are we starting in a place that means, that has no, like, significance in a way? It holds no power. It's not a, a luxurious place. In fact, some people describe at the time that it may have been kind of like a slum, like a, almost like a ghetto, a place in which people just didn't go to. But yet, the story starts here. So why are we going to Nazareth? Why are we starting off here? Why there? Well, it's, it's where it all starts. It starts in this place. Not just, we, not just in, in the, the book of Luke, 
or in Matthew, but it starts way before that, much before that. In fact, we see in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, I'm going to turn there and read to you uh, Isaiah 11 verse 1. Hear these words from Isaiah 11, 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. I'm going to read that again, okay? A shoot will come up from the, the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. You're probably wondering, Mario, why are you reading that verse? I did not hear Nazareth at all. What are you trying to connect here? Let me just share something with you, some importance here, okay? So, we see Isaiah 11 is talking about David, okay, a branch from Jesse. Jesse is David's dad, okay? David ended up being one of the best kings that Israel saw, okay? Throughout its whole history, prior to Christ, David was like the top king. Like, everybody's like, wants to be like David. In Isaiah chapter 11, it's talking about this branch of David, of Jesse coming down, okay? This is a branch, Little Hebrew lesson for you all this morning. The root word for branch in Hebrew, okay, the root word for that is the same, is where we get the town called Nazareth. Let me say that again. The root word in which we get branch, we found in Isaiah chapter 11, the word branch, the root word that makes the word branch is also the same root word in Hebrew, translate it to Nazareth. It's the same, the same root word for both. And so many theologians, many scholars believe that Isaiah chapter 11, and in fact, is talking about the root, the branch from Jesse's actually coming from a specific place, specifically Nazareth. Other passages that support this is Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 also references Isaiah chapter 11 in this. So here we see that Nazareth isn't just a place we see the, where, where Mary is from, but it's also specifically mentioned in a way in Isaiah that this is a place in which the Messiah will come from. A branch from Jesse, the lineage of royalty is coming from a place, not of like this, a palace, but it's coming from a place that no one knows. A place that's like a no-name. The lineage of a place, uh, our Savior is coming into this world is from a place that is not like a destination, but a place people avoid. A place that people just bypass. It's like whatever. It's amazing if you think of that, of the detail in which God works. It's amazing if you think of it, truly think about it. That in Isaiah, we see multiple references of Christ throughout Isaiah in like big picture of like specifics of him being like broken and all this stuff. But it's even, it's even more amazing and we see it in the small detail of even in the language and the words that God uses to communicate His work. So much, in fact, that even the root of a word shows the power in which God has in planning for His, redemp his redemption for His people. Royalty came not from a palace, but from a place of nowhere. A place, and I say no, I'm not talking about like out of like thin air. I'm talking about a place you just bypass. Almost like Barstow. Like you just drive by it. You, you kind of stop to get food, but you kind of don't. Uh, it's kind of like that. A place in which you just, that's where Christ, God was at work. 
800 years prior to Luke. 800 years prior to Mary receiving those words, God was already at work preparing for this day, preparing for that message, a message given to Mary that she was going to bear the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah in which the Jews thought, hey, the Messiah is coming. He's going to take reign over Israel and restore us. That was what their big picture was. But God's big picture was much bigger, much bigger, and much greater than that. But before we get way into that, we're going we're gonna to take a couple steps back and talk about the details in which God works. Like I mentioned, God was at work 800 years prior to this moment. Talking about it. God works not just in the big picture, but he also works in the fine details and even in the way he communicates to his people. That's powerful. If you think about it, that's amazing that God works in the details. Now I want you to think to yourself a time in your life in which you were perhaps uh, in a situation that you wish you really weren't in. For example, I can think of moments in my life where there was family issues, family struggles, and I think in those moments, God, what were you doing in those times? What were you doing in that moment? Were you, or you think about the time you got those ba that bad news and how your stomach dropped. And you think to yourself, how can I get through this? Perhaps it was when you got a diagnosis. Or maybe when you found out you lost a loved one. Or maybe when you lost a job. And you, are, you remember that feeling you had of hearing that and feeling like your world was about to crumble. And you think, God, what? You think about time like, God, what were you doing? In the moment of, it's very frustrating. It's very dark and it hurts. But as you move forward, as you continue on in the journey, you see that God was at work throughout that time. And then we were reminded, if we look at Scripture, that God is also at work throughout His people's time. We look at the Israelites. They were on this journey, and every time they messed up, they had some really dark moments. Moments in which they saw God work in many and mighty, powerful ways. But yet, they had those moments in which they cried out and said, Where are you, God? And we look throughout scripture, we hear this word over and over again, and it's remember. Remember this, remember that. And if we look at us now, if we look back in our lives and think of those moments in which we felt like the world was caving in on us, I hope and pray that you can see that God was at work even in those times. Even in those times leading up to the healing. Even in the times leading up to the, getting the bad news, that God was at work in that moment. We think of the details in which things have taken place in our lives. I, I think of my life. I think of the, how certain things fell into place. Prime example, me in seminary is one of those things that God really was in planning in detail of. I'm not going to go in full story and full details of what, how I ended up in seminary. But let me say this, that God was preparing something for me and I didn't even want it. 
In fact, I fought it so much, but everything fell into its place. And as I look back, there's times now which I get frustrated being in school and thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. And I'm just like tired of it. But I look back and I'm reminded that along that journey, God placed everything in a position for a reason. And in Luke chapter 1, we see this, that God placed everything in here for a particular reason. That Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38, is a fulfillment of the prophecy found in Isaiah. It is, a, it is a fulfillment of the work that he is doing and he promised to do. And as we look throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, we see this more and more that Christ fulfilled every promise, everything prophesied from the Old Testament. Not just in Isaiah, but even back to Genesis. God was at work, not just in the big picture of things, but also God works even in the minute detail. In the minute detail, God works. And the amazing thing of all of that is God did it for you. God worked and fought on your behalf. He did this because he loved you and he still loves you. That's amazing. That's an amazing thing to think about, that there was thousands of years of work leading up to Christ so that we can be redeemed, so that you can be restored, so that you can be seen as righteous before God. That God loved you so much that he came off his throne, took on flesh to die for you. That's powerful. That is amazing. And as we think about that, we look at it, his, God was at work even in the life of Jesus from before he was even born. Leading up to his birth, we can see God at work in the detail. There's an amazing thing right there. And you're probably wondering, now what? What, where do, we, what, do, what do I do with this? What am I, what am I going to talk about in our dinner table today about the message. Like what, we talked about Nazareth. Like what, what do we, where do we go from here? Now what? What, where do we go from here now? Well, let, let me share with you, okay? Let me show, share with you the now what. Now what is now we see that God works in the details. But out of a place of nothing, out of a place of nowhere, a place of undesirables, a place like Nazareth, what good comes from there? That God works in the details and God can use people in a place of just nothing to bring hope, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring joy and comfort. That out of a place of undesirable, that God works. Sometimes it's so easy to bypass a certain place or a certain situation because it just seems like whatever. But God uses those moments, those places, and those situations to change the world. And he did so with the place called Nazareth. That out of Nazareth came the Messiah. Out of Nazareth, the place in which we're starting, almost fell off my chair again, see? Out of a place, a place in which we don't know, we wouldn't have known about. We wouldn't have cared about if we lived in that time, like, oh, Nazareth, whatever, it's, it's there. Out of a place like that, 
God shows up and God works. Sometimes in our lives, we feel like we're like, we're like in a Nazareth. We feel like we're in a place, maybe in a physical place or an emotional, mental place where we feel like nothing's happening. It's like whatever. Like you get numb to life. Be reminded that out of that numbness, out of that lack of care and that frustration or that tiredness, that God is still at work. That God is still carrying you, moving you, and working in the details of your life to make his name known. And just like God made Jesus known, a Nazarene, Jesus a Nazarene, to change the world, what makes you doubt, what makes you think that God wouldn't, wouldn't use your story to change the world? Jesus died for you. May our lives, may our stories bring glory to Christ in all that we do. Even in those seasons in which we feel like giving up, even in those seasons in which we're tired and life is just, ugh. May, may we be reminded this morning that God is still at work and that God works within us and through us and that out of a place of nowhere, not like a poof, but out of a place of like nothing, a place that you just bypass, a place that you're used to, whatever, that God works even in those places both physically, mentally, and spiritually, God works in those places. That God works in the details of our lives. And hope emerges when we think there's no hope. As we begin our road trip, we start in Nazareth. Be reminded that hope comes from a place of nowhere. That hope came from a place in which people would bypass and that it was in this place where our story starts and as we move forward into the Advent season like I mentioned earlier we hope that you get to know Christ in a deeper more powerful way because this road trip it's a story it happened and it's amazing and it's life changing